Are you ready to be transported back to 1800s high society London? Because season three of Bridgerton is now playing only on Netflix. This season follows the story of the Tons resident wallflower, Penelope Featherington, as she undergoes a journey of self-discovery and empowerment where we see her truly blossom. Penn's emotional transformation takes centre stage as her friendship with the charming Colin Bridgerton evolves into something more. For those not yet acquainted, Colin, the charming younger brother of the Bridgerton family, is about to turn Penelope's world upside down. Mm, This is the ultimate good friends to lovers story. From those initial butterflies to when both parties realise there might be something more between them, watch Bridgerton Season 3, now playing only on Netflix. There was ever the ultimate celebrity, Annis Horribilis, Lindsay Lowen's 2007 would come close. And yet, despite all of the doubters, the brightest star of the early noughties would eventually pick herself back up again. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Welcome back. Part three. Part three. Guys, before we dive into today's episode, it is another jam-packed one. Let's talk about what we covered in episode two. Ep two essentially covered a lot of Lindsay's downfall. It kind of began with her unprofessional behavior on the set of Georgia Rule in 2006. She wasn't showing up to set on time, Zara. She was taking days off and she was generally accused of prioritizing partying over her work. Yeah, 100%. Now this all prompted the CEO of the production company making the movie to write her a letter, which was then leaked online to a gossip blog. Now, this was pretty explosive, this letter. We also touched upon her friendships or kind of feuds with other high-profile young women of the mid-noughties, Paris Hilton and Britney Spears, and how the media called them the three bimbos of the apocalypse. The media in general were completely awful to these three during this time. Yeah, at the end of 2006, Lindsay's health deteriorated and she did enter a rehab facility. Her mum, Dina, made the curious decision of giving an interview about all of that to Harper's Bazaar, where she touched upon Lindsay's health battles. 2007, as it went on, just got worse and worse for Lindsay. There were stills of her doing what was alleged to be cocaine that were printed in Britain's now defunct News of the World newspaper. As part of that, there was also a very shitty friend who insisted that she leaked those stills to News of the World to somehow help Lindsay get better. There was a car chase with Lindsay's former personal assistant. And then, of course, the headlines and the incessant mocking of how Lindsay was fit with a scram bracelet to support her sobriety. So many late night talk show hosts at this time were essentially bullying her for content too. Yeah, 1000%. Now, we told you at the end of the last episode that sadly 2007 for Lindsay was only about to get worse. We are going to pick up at that time, but this episode, we will talk about how Lindsay did manage to pick herself back up after all of it. But for now, we need to go back to 2007 and dig back into this troubled time.
All right, Zara. On November 15, 2007, a then 21-year-old Lindsay served jail time for the highly publicized May car chase that officially signaled a low point in her life that was the car chase with her former assistant. Yeah. Now, according to the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department website, she checked into jail at 10.30 a.m. on Thursday and was released at 11.54 a.m. Now, If you're wondering if you heard that right, you absolutely (laughs) did. She served a total of 84 minutes in jail before being released due to overcrowding. Now, on top of the 84 minutes behind bars, she was also ordered to do 10 days of community service, three years probation and 18 months of an alcohol education program. Now, keep all of this stuff in mind too, because this verdict will come up quite a bit later. Yeah. Another mini scandal popped up for Lindsay at the very tail end of 2007. It was the last week of the year and a man named Riley Giles, who she met while completing treatment at the Cirque Lodge Rehab Center, sold another story about her. So this was a kind of ritual for people close to Lindsay. He sold a story to British tabloid News of the World again, where he claimed that she was a sex addict. Yeah, now we have made the decision not to repeat his quotes here because to be honest, he sounds like a total jerk. Mm. But the inference was that Lindsay had given up illicit substances only to become addicted to him. Now, shitty exes aside, by March 2008, things seemed to be doing okay for Lindsay. She graced the cover of Paper Magazine, had signed to work on a movie called Ye Old Times with Jack Black and David Arquette, and was looking to focus on her career again, both on screen and in the recording studio. On this, she told People Magazine, My life was distracted by certain things that got in the way of work, but now I'm back on track and figuring out what's next. That year... 2008 was when Lindsay also made headlines for her love life. It became quite clear that she was actually dating DJ Sam Ronson. They were inseparable for much of 2008, being photographed together at fashion shows in New York, on the beach in Mexico, and even at Lindsay's prom-themed 22nd birthday party. Now, Lindsay never properly or officially named Sam as her girlfriend, but it was pretty obvious, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. In a November 2008 profile in Harper's Bazaar, she said, I think it's pretty obvious who I'm seeing. I think it's no shock to anyone that it's been going on for some time. She is a wonderful person and I love her very much. Mm. Now, the piece went on, marking the first time that Lindsay had spoken about her sexuality. The piece read, has she previously been with a girl? She laughs and says... I don't know, maybe. Has she ever been embarrassed about being attracted to a woman? No. Would she classify herself as bisexual? Maybe, yeah. Lesbian? No. She goes on. I don't want to classify myself. First of all, you never know what's going to happen. Tomorrow, in a month, a year from now, five years from now, I appreciate people and it doesn't matter who they are. And I feel blessed to be able to feel comfortable enough with myself that I can say that. She sees herself getting married, eventually, but whether to a man or a woman, I don't know. Yeah, really interesting. Unsurprisingly, perhaps, Lindsay's continually problematic father, Michael, wasn't happy about this relationship when rumours surfaced that Sam Ronson was considering writing a tell-all book about her life. Michael Lowen blasted her publicly. He said, I've shut up about this long enough. She's using my daughter. People never even knew who Samantha Ronson was until she met Lindsay. She's just some LA DJ. And now she's writing a book. I'm at my wits end with this stuff. This is not in Lindsay's best interest. Let's just say I hope Lindsay starts opening her eyes and realizes who the people using her are. Yes, the people using her. 
yeah. and her name. The media and the general climate at the time didn't make it easy for her. Years later, when interviewed on Howard Stern, Lindsay was asked if people were judgmental when she dated Sam Ronson. She said, oh my God. When Howard Stern went on and asked why people were so angry about it, she said, I was the first one who like came out really for my age. Mm. Now, as an aside, it's probably important to note here, Lindsay has said very different things over the years about her sexuality. In an interview with Piers Morgan years after her relationship with Sam Ronson ended, she said she was in love with Ronson, but insisted she didn't identify as bisexual. She told Morgan, I know I am straight. I've made out with girls before and I had a relationship with a girl, but I think I needed to experience that and I think I was looking for something different. Years after that, in an interview with Wendy Williams, when asked if she was sexually fluid, she said, no, I like men. When the host mentioned that she'd liked a girl at one point, she added, yeah, I was living in LA. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Mm, Interesting. I think what else became really obvious around this time was how Lindsay was ready to position herself to the world as someone who was done with partying and ready to, when I quote, grow up. In that Harper's Bazaar piece we mentioned earlier, it basically opens with Lindsay saying that she's over the partying lifestyle. The quote reads, I was going to clubs all the time and it was not okay. I was so alone. It made me not focus on what I was doing. I was living here at the Chateau for almost two years. Who blows that much money on a hotel? She waited her arm around and says I could have bought a house she went on and said I did it to myself and I have to deal with the consequences I'm thankful for what I can take out of it now I feel clear that is my past and I am a different person now I have goals and I am working to achieve them I am not hanging out with people who are out every night getting fucked up now the piece also noted that Lindsay had recently launched a blog writing and I quote intelligently about such topics as Sarah Palin a woman's right to abortion gay rights and her support of Barack Obama so the rebrand was on its way. Yeah, it was pretty emphatic. Despite all that, though, journalist Marshall Heyman did concede. Truth be told, the Lindsay Lohan we know and love hasn't quite disappeared. She arrives more than an hour late. Around the time Lindsay did that profile with Harper's Bazaar, the media were talking about her guest role in Ugly Betty, which the media certainly kind of earmarked as her official comeback. Yeah, they kind of did. However, when the show aired, the media noted that her involvement was slashed from six episodes to four, with many reporting she was, once again, very difficult to work with on set. One production source told the New York Post it was a mess. Lindsay would show up every day with an entourage of people. She smoked 24-7 and after she left, they had to repaint her dressing room. It was such a mess. Now, meanwhile, a source close to Lindsay told the tabloids that she and America Ferreira, the star of Ugly Betty, were essentially at war with each other. The unnamed friend said, America was mean to Lindsay. Producers give her too much power. Lindsay didn't do the last two episodes because America didn't like her and got her kicked off. Meanwhile, America Ferreira's rep would only tell the media, and I quote, America is grateful to have had her on the show and thinks everyone should tune in to see how great the episodes are. (laughs) I love that. Lindsay's rep said Lindsay was scheduled for six episodes and is appearing in four, but had a lovely time. Okay, when it came to movies, things weren't faring any better. The film she was supposed to star in, alongside Jack Black, Ye Old Times, got renamed and the cast was completely overhauled, leaving Lindsay out of a job. And in 2010, she was sacked from the film Inferno. Mm, If things were going bad professionally, they were worse personally in 2010. In fact, 
over the next three years, Lindsay's run-ins with the law became more and more frequent to the point where it almost dominated her world. More than anything, what became obvious in 2010 as Lindsay neared the end of her three-year probation that was handed to her in 2007 is that her lifestyle appeared at least to not have changed that much at all. Despite her public declarations that she was sober or perhaps over-partying, it didn't quite seem to be the case. Yeah, by this point in the timeline, you could say that the courts weren't stoked with Lindsay's behaviour. She still hadn't finished her court-ordered alcohol education program that we mentioned earlier. She missed a court date to attend Cannes Film Festival and said she couldn't come home because she lost her passport. After she was fitted with an alcohol monitoring device, it lit up at an MTV Movie Awards after party Mm. and so with all of this in mind in July 2010 and then 24 year old Lindsay was sentenced to 90 days in jail she ended up only serving 14 of those days once again due to overcrowding Mm. according to Vanity Fair and I quote the media swarm outside the Beverly Hills courthouse suggested something of OJ proportions Again, what's fascinating here is that Lindsay, in a profile with Vanity Fair a week before she entered jail, was really trying to put it all behind her. She said in a quote, I think that I went through a really rocky patch, but I can say for myself that I've looked back on my past and I'm a completely different person now. Everything happens for a reason, so I'm so grateful that I can learn younger in life. It's just like the quote we see time and time again. Someone's telling her to go out there and say, this is all behind you. I'm different now when it's like you're still so young and that's not true. Do you reckon her team, I mean, so many people would profit from Lindsay, right? There are so many people in her pockets making money off her career. Do you think there were people around her saying, we need to get back on the horse, we need to get out there making movies, making TV shows, being a star, perhaps trying to run before they could walk? Like there was no real gap for Lindsay to actually just be and for her to maybe properly recover before they were trying to force her back out into the limelight. Well, I think the strangest thing when I was researching this is I kept wondering who was encouraging her to do publicity through this time constantly. Like a profile in Vanity Fair is as big as it gets. And I couldn't really understand when I was looking back why people didn't take her away and let her deal with everything privately. Mm. Like why, when you're in the thick of all these storms, are you out there doing interviews and I imagine you're right yes people in her team are wanting her to get back to work so they're telling her she need you need to say all of this is behind you but when you keep saying that five years in a row people are going to stop believing you I also think there may have been a hint about why she never left the media circuit despite what was going on in her personal life. In that Vanity Fair piece, she said, I want my career back. I want the respect that I had when I was doing great movies. And if that takes not going out to a club at night, then so be it. It's not fun anyway. Yeah. Back to Lindsay's legal troubles. We've got to be honest, guys. 2011 was pretty hard to dig into because it was totally consumed by like a litany of court dates. At the beginning of 2011, Lindsay was charged with shoplifting. In March, she made her ninth court appearance in 10 months. She was eventually sentenced to 120 days in jail for violating the probation when it came to the shoplifting. She served that term at home. She violated her probation multiple times again after that, leading to a further 30-day jail term being handed down. She ended up serving a matter of hours in prison again for that 
By 2012, Lindsay was charged with reckless driving and providing false information to a police officer after a car accident. Yeah, I got to be honest and self-aware with the listeners. It was a pretty difficult year or two to dive into to try and research because it was just court date after court date Mm. after court date after court date. It was exhausting reading it. I can't imagine how it was living Living it. it. Now, despite that, 2012 seemed to be the beginning of the end of Lindsay's years-long run-ins with the law. According to The Hollywood Reporter, it took more than 50 court hearings to resolve the trio of cases. Her probation didn't actually expire until 2015, which marked the end of eight long years. Mm. Now, although she was getting herself out of trouble with the law, Lindsay's career wasn't revived by a role in the Elizabeth Taylor biopic Liz and Dick and the film The Canyons. Her performances in both films were panned, like almost cruelly so. How is this from The Hollywood Reporter? It should come as no great surprise that Lifetime's Liz and Dick movie starring Lindsay is spectacularly bad. Mm. After all, it's low and more memorable in the tabloids than she ever was as an actress. The piece went on, Lindsay is woeful as Taylor from start to finish, but whatever you do, don't miss Liz and Dick. It's an instant classic of unintentional hilarity. Drinking games were made for movies like this. I do kind of think that is as scathing as it gets, right? Also, it's not fair. More memorable in the tabloids than she ever was as an actress. I flatly disagree with that. The first thing I think of when I think of Lindsay is her role in The Parent Trap and her role in Mean Girls. And then, yes, I remembered that she had some run-ins with the law and had some troubles, but that is still secondary to the talent that she has. I agree with you, but are you saying that from a 2022 perspective? In the thick of it in 2012, I think when you're consumed by something, recency bias means that I think a lot of people would have thought of her in relation to the tabloids. That's fair. That said, I do think it's dismissive because I think it completely undermines the talent that she had in those early years. Yeah, very, very interesting. Guys, after the break, we're going to talk to you about how Lindsay started clawing her way back. But first, a word from today's sponsor. Alrighty, Mish. In April 2013, while plugging her involvement in Scary Movie 5, Lindsay appeared on David Letterman. Now, This interview was incredibly interesting to go back on and watch because while generally people didn't have huge amounts of outrage about the interview and how it transpired at the time, after a few key free Britney documentaries came out in 2021, the media really began to take notice of how we treated young women in the public eye throughout this time. And so this interview kind of resurfaced as a key example of how fucked talk show hosts were to young women. Mm, The interview is really hard to watch. It's a quite weird dynamic as well. You've got this pretty patronizing older guy talking to a young 27-year-old woman about all of the kind of like naughty things she's done in the past. Letterman opens the interview by saying, well, you look well, insinuating, of course, that Lindsay hadn't been well in the past and she just kind of deadpanned him. The next few minutes are okay. Like she seems pretty happy to take the piss out of herself, like when it comes to her shoplifting charges and her other run-ins with the law. But then David Letterman cuts her off with this. Now, uh, aren't you supposed to? Aren't you supposed to be in rehab now? The tone is really, really odd. Letterman seems so arrogant and rude, and it becomes pretty clear 
that like watching this, my overriding thought was this woman has probably never been treated with much compassion by many people in this industry. Like there is no doubt she's made mistakes and will continue to make mistakes throughout this episode. But she was also very clearly an addict and it's very bizarre to hear the older people in the room who should be the adults in the room not try to protect her. Now, there's another point later in the interview where Letterman is dogged in asking her about rehab and all her misdemeanors and she kind of tries to tell him off. Here's a snippet of that. Is it uh, like alcohol? Do you drink too much? We've discussed this in the past. Oh, did we really? When did we discuss? Well, because it? See, we I'm had... the one who's having the blackouts. Uh, what is, so, so now, um, uh, when you when you go to the rehab, what do they well, do? Let's let's. This is we have to work here for a movie. We have to what? Let's stay on the positive. Oh, what, I'm like trying... aside from that side of the positive. Yeah. All right. Come now, on now. Okay, we'll talk about the movie. I've been here since I was seven. Seven years old. How many times do you think you've been here? I wouldn't know. I'll have to find out in rehab. Yeah, so there you have it. Despite how uncomfortable the whole thing is to watch back, Lindsay at the time was actually praised with how she handled the interview with Poise. Here's a passage from The Guardian at the time. The response to the appearance was praise. Even the sarcastic gossip website Gawker had kind things to say. Humanity shines through. Lindsay was witty and borderline charming for much of her chat with Dave. There may be hope for her yet, the website noted. Other observers agreed she had done well while noting that Lowen had been here before. She seemed to be slightly apologetic, slightly aware. But I don't think she is fully there yet, said Noah Levy, a senior editor and celebrity culture expert at In Touch Weekly magazine. Yeah, the piece did, however, note that Lindsay's comeback would have to be a long game. They wrote, few experts deny the sheer scale of the task ahead of her as she tries to rebuild her professional reputation, which I think is kind of fair. Mm. And so began the ultimate comeback tour again. After her sixth rehab stint, Lindsay employed the help of a woman who knew quite a bit at this point about aiding a celebrity comeback, Oprah Winfrey. Yes. Lindsay decided to do an intimate sit-down interview with Oprah on Oprah's series, Oprah's Next Chapter. It was August 2013, and Lindsay decided to speak quite candidly about her relationship with alcohol, her battle with addiction, her relationship with her parents, and how even though she had said it so many times already over the course of her career, she was really feeling better than ever. Yeah, she told Oprah, I feel whole again. I have such a desire to want to keep this feeling and stay this way and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Lindsay went on to candidly discuss her relationship with alcohol and how it did take over her life. When Oprah asked her, are you an addict? She replied, yeah, before revealing she was addicted to alcohol, which, and I quote, has in the past been a gateway to other things for me. Now, she explained that alcohol really was the door that opened her up to other drugs like cocaine, which she had done, and this is a quote, like 10 to 15 times. Yeah, there's another point in the conversation where Oprah acknowledged that the public's perception of Lindsay's family is that her parents are a little bit exploitative. Oprah asked Lindsay point blank, did she agree with that assessment? To which Lindsay replied, I love my parents. I'm going to say that, you know, certain situations I would have preferred to be handled differently, to be kept within my family in private. Pretty diplomatic. 
Yeah, pretty interesting insight there. Now, Oprah's involvement in Lindsay's professional revival didn't just end there, though. In 2014, she starred in an eight-episode docu-series titled Lindsay on OWN, in which she opened up on her personal life even more. Now, the premiere had 693,000 viewers, but the ratings then slipped and the finale only had about 400,000 viewers, Mish. Yeah, it's one of those classic cases where you opt into the series knowing that you're probably going to be told the stuff you've already been told before, just with like a bunch of shiny editing. There's one scene, however, where Oprah sits down to have an intervention with Lindsay. Here's a snippet of that moment. I believe that you believe that this is your time Mm -hmm. to turn this around for yourself. I believe that. Yeah. I believed you when you told me that. It is. Okay. All right. If that is the case, then you're not going to up. And I know you're surprised to hear me say I actually love it. <laughs> you're not going to be it's doing awesome. <laughs> You're not going to be doing that. I, I, I need to hear that from you because it helps. It, it empowers me. Yes. And so you need to cut the You really do. Okay. Just cut the Okay. I mean, I think it's no surprise that this series was met with pretty mixed reviews. Observer accused Oprah of taking advantage of Lindsay with the piece Etu Oprah, Lindsay Lowen Doc, just more exploitative celebrity garbage. Salon called it an unmitigated disaster. While Digital Spy thought the docuseries gave, and I quote, little fresh insight into Lowen's life. Now, the Oprah interview in the docuseries didn't really seem to change the course of Lowen's career. What it did do, though, according to Lindsay, is give her a much needed wake up call. Yeah, she felt quite positively about this. She said at the time, I think Oprah really gave me a different perspective on life, and that really changed me. I was just tired of taking care of everyone and being present for everyone. I just wanted to be there for myself and be okay with being alone. We forget that it's okay to be alone. From there, things really did seem to come together for Lindsay in a professional sense. She was cast in the play Speed the Plow, which ran eight times a week for three months in London. Not only did she complete that run without missing a show, she actually scored some pretty solid reviews for her performance. Take this from The Guardian in October 2014. Anyone who turned up expecting Lindsay making her stage debut at the age of 28 to exhibit spoilt child celeb behavior, fluffing lines or breaking parole or racing off to rehab or simply not turning up, was in for a disappointment. She was rather sweet, rather husky, rather wide-eyed and rather good. She was, in fact, possibly the best thing about this show. Yeah, though Variety noted her performance was adequate, it felt very much like it wasn't bad and that seemed like good news yeah like people were surprised by how okay it was yeah in a separate piece of the guardian interviewed by journalist tim adams Lindsay revealed that she was sober for the first time in a long time a core part of that she said was being away from the la paparazzi who stalked her every move she said i can go for a run here on my own i do every morning early and i think how my friends in new york would still be up partying at that time I needed to grow up and London is a better place for me to do that than anywhere else. This period in her life appeared to be one of the most peaceful Lindsay had ever experienced. She also spoke of a trip to Greece in the European summer that really helped her recalibrate. The quote reads, It was the first time I have ever just been on a vacation by myself. I just wandered about on my own. I turned off my phone. It was so extraordinarily freeing for me like another life. 
Now, around this time in Lindsay's life, 2016, people were kind of talking about two things. Her ever-changing accent, UK tabloid The Sun once described it as like a mix of Greek, American and Russian, (laughs) and her relationship with then 23-year-old Russian entrepreneur Igor Tarabasov. Now, I do want to give a trigger warning before we jump into this next conversation because we will talk about instances of domestic abuse and this may be triggering for some listeners. If you or someone you love needs help, please call 1-800-RESPECT. Now, when it came to this relationship, it was relatively public relatively quickly. Speaking to Us Weekly in April 2016, Dina, Lindsay's mum, described Igor as so cute and a sweetheart. Yeah, she went on, he's just a really good person. And the tabloids are like, oh, he's so much younger, but he's very mature, very worldly. They love each other. Lindsay and Igor were reportedly engaged by that summer. On July 26th, though, UK tabloid The Sun reported that neighbours of the couple's London apartment awoke to them screaming at each other. One neighbour decided to film the incident, which she then sold to the newspaper. This just feels like Groundhog Day when it comes to any moment that Lindsay has that should be private, that is sensitive it gets sold. Yeah, people are making money off it. In the video obtained by The Sun, a woman appearing to be Lindsay can be seen pleading for help from her balcony. We're not going to give you the quote, but it was pretty clear from what we've read and what we've watched that Lindsay was fearful for her safety. The following Monday, she wrote on Instagram, unfortunately, a private matter has become more public than I can control. And I would be extremely grateful if my fiance and myself could discuss our personal matters on our own. Soon after, our rumors swelled on social media that Igor had actually been unfaithful. In a rambling series of Instagram posts, Lindsay revealed that Igor hadn't come home one night and suggested he had cheated on her with a Russian woman. This was very clearly another awful time, a really turbulent time in Lindsay's private life. She made then the regrettable decision of posting what appeared to be that woman's home address to social media before later deleting it. (sighs) Then in August of that year, pretty horrifying video surfaced of the couple in an altercation in Mykonos after she'd celebrated her 30th birthday. Stills from the video show the couple arguing in a car before Lindsay jumped out and threw his mobile phone on the sand. Now, he chases her, grabs her roughly from behind in an attempt to get his phone back and twisted her arm behind her back. Mm, Lindsay was actually forced to comment on these images the moment they were published. Now, they were published two weeks after the assault took place. She spoke to the Daily Mail both about the Mykonos incident and the London apartment incident too. She said, I wanted to do this interview because it's time to tell the truth. There have been so many lies printed about me recently. I've kept quiet for so long, but now I'm scared of what Igor might do to me and to himself. She went on, I realize now you can't stay in a relationship just for love. No woman can be hit and stay with that person if that person isn't prepared to say sorry. The journalist noted that throughout the interview, Lindsay was wearing the four carat emerald ring that her fiance had proposed with. She said, I haven't taken it off even after all of this. The truth is I wanted to make things work, but now I'm not sure if I can. Oh, it's sad to look back on, isn't it? Like, Mm. it's hard to read. And I think, again, my overriding question is, who in her team was telling her to talk to the Daily Mail of all places Mm. as well? Like, the tabloid that would happily publish footage of this. 
crazy. Now, in the middle of 2018, the New York Times' Gabrielle Bluestone interviewed Lindsay about her burgeoning business in Mykonos, where she just launched an incredibly successful beach club. Yeah, the club scene, one that Lindsay's brand had become synonymous with, was clearly commercially successful for her. Now, this was all, of course, despite the obvious questions you might have about Lindsay's new lifestyle and how she said she was done with partying. Obviously, there is a duality going on there that she's saying she's done with this, but she's also in the business of partying. In the piece, writer Gabrielle Bluestone mentions that another Lindsay-owned nightclub was underway in Rhodes and potentially another in Dubai too. Now, by this point in her life, Lindsay had moved to Dubai and was loving it. Yeah, living in Dubai for most of the year actually made a lot of sense for someone like Lindsay, given a lot of the stuff she's had to deal with that we've detailed over the last three episodes. Crucially, it's illegal to take paparazzi photos of someone in Dubai. In fact, it's illegal to take photos of any anyone without their permission. So this is like perfect for someone like Lindsay. It's kind of like poetic, isn't it? She lives her whole life under the microscope of everyone. She escapes to London thinking she's going to have privacy there. Her neighbours violate that and sell it to the tabloids. She doesn't have it in Mykonos either. And then she escapes to a place where it's literally illegal. You cannot do it. And she finally has that privacy she's been craving. On top of the actual day-to-day running of her beach clubs, which Lindsay told the New York Times she had full control over, right down to curating the playlists that were played, Lindsay was also working on another project, a reality TV show with MTV. Yeah, Lindsay told the New York Times, there's a business side to my life now, but I'm not in America, so no one knows about it, which is nice for me, because I actually get to focus on the result of things. She told the paper, I think success is the best revenge. On her life being split between Greece and Dubai, she said, it is less demanding. America is always like, go, 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 go. I don't have to turn on the news and see all about the Kardashians. I don't have to see anything anymore. I choose what I want to see and how I want to live. Lindsay also made it very clear that her decision to open a beach club in the very place where she was publicly assaulted was no coincidence. On that, she said, it happened here in Mykonos on the beach. And that was the moment where I switched and I was like, I'm going to take control of my life completely. And that's why I'm here today, because it was on that beach where I got hit. I said, you know what? If there's anything I can do, I'm going to get that beach. It's going to be my beach. Yeah. And then in September 2018, Lindsay found herself in one of the more bizarre and troubling controversies of her career, Mish. Mm. It felt like a strange thing, right? The world hadn't really heard that much from Lindsay in the few years before this. She hadn't disappeared. I mean, of course, we had like the odd profile. But as someone watching on and actually working in the media at the time, it felt like she wasn't present a lot and she wasn't particularly visible. This controversy, though, blew up. Yeah, and it also came at a time where I think everyone was ready for that very neat, linear bounce back to like success and to being okay and being balanced again. And I think this is one of those messy bits of the timeline where it's not as linear as maybe people would have hoped, but it's just the reality of how things went for Lindsay. For sure. It all started when Lindsay went live on Instagram on the streets of Moscow in Russia. There she came across a family of four that she identified as Syrian. In the video, Lindsay seems to be speaking a mix of English, Russian and Arabic and offers the family a hotel room so they don't have to sleep on the street. Her offers got increasingly aggressive over the course of the video and the family, who were likely confused and concerned about what was going on, began to walk away from her. 
It was at that point that things escalated. And keep in mind, everyone, this is all happening in real time, broadcast to the world via Instagram Live. Lindsay continued to press and go after this family, even after they got up, and even accused then the parents of trafficking their children. From there, the woman pushed Lindsay to the ground and they fell or descended into a bit of a scuffle. Yeah, once it was over, Lindsay was crying on the live while the video was still rolling, saying, I'm like in shock right now. I'm just so scared. Now, it is fair to say that Lindsay was heavily, heavily criticised for what she did, with many pointing out how intense the levels of white saviorism were with that exchange and also her crying to the camera at the end saying that Mm. she was scared after accosting a family on the street. A few months later, in an interview with Paper Magazine, she stopped short of apologising for what happened. Here's how the exchange went down and, yes, it's about as roundabout as it gets. There's actresses, there's several of them to my knowledge that don't use Instagram or Twitter, she said in this interview, but I feel like you sort of have to. It's your way of controlling the narrative. I recently made the mistake of having my phone recording live video and that I learned from. But I think it's also important because if you're doing something and you want to give direct access to your fans, you can contact them and see their thoughts and get an opinion. Whereas in the past, you didn't have any control over it. Yeah, when the journalist pushed her further on this matter, Lindsay kind of put up a wall and said she was, and I quote, too tired to talk about what happened and that she would email through a statement about the incident later on. Sure enough, she did. That statement read simply, I've read the situation wrong, I've learned from it, and that's all I have to say. I think the thing that frustrated me about these quotes to Paper Magazine is maybe the inference that because she could never control the media throughout her career. She was therefore driven to Instagram to have control over her narrative. And then somehow that's related and made an excuse of for what she was doing. Like it's it's very far-fetched. It's saying because I'm on Instagram, like almost like throwing your hands up in the air saying these things happen. Yes. It's part of sharing my life that I will accost a random family on the streets of Moscow and live stream it. Yeah, it doesn't quite stack up naturally. Now, on January 8, 2019, Lindsay's Vanderpump Rules style of a reality show titled Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club premiered on MTV. In promotion for the series that saw young and motivated ambassadors of the Lohan brand travel from all over America to work in the Beach Club for the summer, Lindsay told Variety, we were all very clear that it wasn't going to be a Lindsay Lohan follower every second kind of show it was going to be me running a business it's different because I'm writing the scripts in a sense I have nothing to hide what's left in saying that I've gone to a club now I own them yeah only the show wasn't really a hit with viewers first of all for a show literally tied to Lindsay's name viewers were surprised and disappointed to only see her kind of peppered throughout the show. You kind of have to be the star. Yeah, you're tuning in for Lindsay. Her business partner, Panos, was actually mostly running the episodes. After 12 episodes, the series was canned, but not because MTV wanted to let it go. It turns out that Lindsay wanted to cash in on what had turned out to be a pretty good investment and sell the beach club. It probably took a lot of the people involved in the show by surprise as well because she had actually signed onto a five-year-long deal with MTV to make this. So I don't think it was ever on the cards or supposed to be on the cards that it would be canned after a season. This was like a long-haul thing for them that they wanted to develop. 
And they didn't. One no. season <laughs> up instead of five. And then in May 2021, we got some pretty exciting news indeed. Lindsay had signed on to what was then an unnamed Netflix movie where she would be playing a newly engaged, spoiled hotel heiress who gets amnesia after a skiing accident and finds herself in the care of a handsome blue-collar lodge owner and his precocious daughter in the days leading up to Christmas. This is such an interesting like plot. <laughs> it's, yeah, and it's quite detailed. It's given so niche. we didn't know what the movie was was it's like we kind of do though now we now know the film is titled falling for christmas which did hit the platform last november yeah and in case that wasn't enough i mean that's a pretty shiny glittery career opportunity netflix has also publicly committed to what they're calling a loanaissance that is a creative partnership with the streaming giant that will see Lindsay star in another film with them very soon now this news was announced in march 2022 so you could say that netflix was so impressed with that filming process they knew that they would happily back Lindsay for another project yeah absolutely they said we're so happy with our collaboration with Lindsay to date and we're thrilled to continue our partnership with her now that came from the director of original independent film at Netflix. She said, we look forward to bringing more of her films to our members around the world. Mm. And I think a lot of people found this heartening. I mean, Netflix was a great company for her to be signed to. It was quite a visible place for her to be signed to because a lot of us have Netflix subscriptions. To add to that, she was also the face of Pepsi's Christmas campaign last year. So yes. It sort of has felt like, and I know we've said this a few times throughout this episode, that there were quite a few times where people tried to say, Lindsay's back, Lindsay's back. But this has felt properly Mm. like the first time that she might be coming back. I agree with that. And it's not just professional stuff that is going really well for Lindsay. She seems to be flourishing behind closed doors as well. And I want to be self-aware about this because I don't want to have some narrative that when a woman finds a man, she's more (laughs) successful than those who like can stand on their own two feet and are happily single. Before we give this just the context of we acknowledge that, but also Lindsay is saying she's happier than ever now. So that's why we feel the need to tell this story. Yeah, and also love is nice. Love is nice. Now, in November 2021, Lindsay, who by this point had been living in Dubai since 2014, announced she was getting married. In her post on Instagram, she wrote, my love, my life, my family, my future. So who was the guy? Well, she announced she was marrying a hot normie of her own, (laughs) a finance guy by the name of Beta Shamus, who, at the time they got engaged at least, worked at the bank Credit Suisse. Yeah, the couple first sparked dating rumours a year or two before they were dating in February 2020. That was when Lindsay shared a since deleted group photo from a music festival in Dubai and casually mentioned a boyfriend in the caption. Since then, Lindsay and Beta have kept a relatively low profile. For one, when Lindsay posted her engagement announcement to her 11 million Instagram followers and tagged her husband-to-be, everyone clicked through to find out that his profile was on private and his followers was around the 500 mark. So so good. I mean, you've got this celebrity with 11 million followers marrying this man who is so intensely private. I am obsessed with relationships like this. It just doesn't happen very often. I think the only other person I can really think of is Ariana Grande. That's what I was about to yeah, say. The, the real estate agent that Ariana married. You remember them, right? Yes. Because it's so unusual for that industry. 
Now, in July last year, we found out the couple had married through Instagram again on a photo of them together. Lindsay wrote, I'm the luckiest woman in the world, not because I need a man, but because he found me and knew what I wanted to find happiness and grace all at the same time. I am stunned that this is my husband, my life and my everything. Every woman should feel like this every day. Yeah, it was the most low key thing ever we've never seen photos from the wedding we've never gotten any real details about how they got married we just know they are married yeah 100 percent. and people were happy for her it was just super a, happy it wasn't the kind of thing that played out through the tabloids it's kind of one of those things that we found out after the fact that we also have very few details on mm. which feels very at odds with how the rest of her life in korea played out up until this point i think that kind of brings us to now and i think what we've learned about Lindsay having done this scandal series Mm. what's your overriding thought now that we've finished my overriding thought is god i'm so happy she's found a sense of self again and that sense of self seems to be quite stable and healthy i think the life she was essentially born into she was like a, a child model and in the entertainment industry when she was just a toddler like So much of this she couldn't actively consent to anyway because she was kind of doing it before she even knew who she was. And so much of her adolescence and her early adulthood was just defined by the media being real pricks and her parents kind of making life really hard for her. I think my overriding analysis is I'm just really happy she seems to be doing well. Yeah, and... The sheer influence of parents is quite overwhelming. Like we weren't even able to include every time her dad commented on her struggles publicly or her mum made headlines herself. Like it feels very hard to consider a world where a child can rise above that because that's your parents. Mm. I think the thing that as we were doing this and as we were researching this is I feel like Lindsay had more scandals than anyone we've ever covered on this show. There were things we had to leave out here or there, skim over, that would make full episodes Mm. for other celebrities. Like it was almost relentless. There's a lot. Yeah, I do feel kind of protective over her, even though I know she is flawed and has done some shitty things. Like she has done some pretty dodgy things, but there seems to be a vulnerability to her that I definitely feel a bit protective of that I don't really remember feeling in other scandal episodes. Yeah, I agree. I think this series, again, has also reminded us of just how awful the media was for such a long period of time. And the people, mostly famous women, who had to live through that, I don't really even have a reference point for what that would be like, opening up the newspaper and seeing the kinds of headlines and photos and stories that were published about them. But to Lindsay's credit, here she is, Fingers crossed it keeps going in this exact direction. I can't wait to see what Netflix movie she comes out with and see what's next for her. Yeah, even though I didn't quite love Falling for Christmas. (laughs) Still good on air. (laughs) Guys, that is all we've got time for today. This one was researched by Michelle and I. If you want to support the show, come and follow us on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. We are also on TikTok at Shameless underscore podcast. Yeah, guys, thank you so, so much. We'll be back in your ears on Thursday. Bye. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.